Well, good morning. It is good to be together and worshiping God together. And um, one of the things that we'd love to do is to share testimony of God's goodness and God's glory and what he's doing in our lives. And in a sense, we're uh, wanting to hear some testimonies this morning from Trevor and Joan. And what we're calling today is just simply stories of discipleship. And as you know, we, uh, well, maybe as you don't know, we're in the next month, we're going to be stepping into a topic in a series on discipleship. And today is a great introduction to that. And uh, this is uh, Trevor and Joan Goddard, as Kevin had already mentioned. They've been uh, serving as uh, missionaries in different parts of the world uh, most of their <coughs> lives. And I wanted to just interview them to interview them today and just ask some questions around discipleship. So Trevor and Joan, welcome here. Thank you. So good to have you. Uh, why don't you just start by just giving us a bit of a picture of your family. I know for a lot of people, there's a lot of people here who know you from years back and know your kids when they were wee little, and there's lots of people here who have never met you before, so we understand that. But tell us briefly about each of your kids, where they are, and what they're doing in different parts of the world. Sure. Thank you. It's really good to be here. Um, I just want to introduce my family, even though they're not here. Uh, our oldest son, Aaron, and his wife, Carly, live in near Penticton, BC. They have one little girl, Gracie, who's almost three years old. Uh, and then Silas, uh, many of you know him because he, he worshipped here for some years. Uh, he and his wife, Danea, they're full-time photographers in Langley, BC, and they have a little boy named Brixton, who's almost two, and Kenia, our daughter, is married to a South African. They live in Cape Town, South Africa, work with YWAM, and they have a child uh, who's almost two years old as well, little Hezekiah, and they're expecting their second. That's awesome. Thank you. So Trevor and Joan uh, serve at the Matthew Training Center in Guadalajara, Mexico. So how many of you have been to the Matthew Training Center? Just raise your hands. I know there's lots of people who've been here and serving. I see those hands. Uh, Lisa and I had the opportunity to be there just this last spring in April, and it was the first time that we had been there, and it was really exciting to just see you in your context there. But that's sort of the end of the story uh, and, and where you are right now. So Trevor and Joan, first of all, tell us a little bit about, tell us the backstory. Go back to the beginning of just even your beginnings here at Forest Grove Community Church and uh, how God has led you through the course of your life and how you've ended up at the Matthew Training Center and just some of the points along the way. Good morning. I'll start with that. Um, I also know that the riders play at one, so uh, we'll be out of here by one. Um, <laughs> by one? <laughs> no, sooner than that. Uh, but yeah, going back a few years... Um, we were living here in Forest Grove in a house that we had built with some help from, from people here in church. Uh, I was a youth pastor for a while at this church, and uh, we were just sensing that God was saying, you're going to be moving out into missions, but we wanted to have that confirmed in a very, very clear way. We didn't want to just do it on our own. Uh, and so we were asking God, show us clearly. And I remember uh, Psalms 119, 105 where your word is a, is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. And so we prayed, Lord, light up our path. Show us clearly from your word where we're supposed to go or what we're supposed to do as, as missionaries, if you want us to go as missionaries. And, and we were praying into that for quite a while. Didn't really get a real clear answer, and, and we were uh, wanting a clear answer so we could know for sure. So it was actually on the May 
Monday long weekend uh, in 1984 in our little house here in Forest Grove where we dedicated the whole day to pray and to study God's Word and to ask Him for some verses, some scripture to, uh, to show us uh, if we were to be missionaries. And God clearly spoke to us. Um, Aaron was only three months old at the time. We took turns kind of looking after him. In the evening, we sat down and, and we looked at each other and said, well, what did God say to you? And uh, here, lo and behold, God had led us to the exact same verse uh, and gave us the green light to go out and be missionaries. And um, so 33, we went off to, <clears throat> oh, the very next day, um, we said, well, we've got to do this. So the very next day, we put our house up for sale. We, uh, re- I resigned from uh, five years of working with uh, YFC, and we phoned the seminary and asked about preparation for missions, and uh, we were off to school for a couple years, came back here, and it was right here, 33 years ago, that we were uh, commissioned to go out as missionaries on this beautiful, bright, new orange carpet. (laughs) Things changed, and that's good. (laughs) Um, But we went out, and... um, uh, I remember preaching this message on discipleship and disciple making. Probably didn't have a clue what I was talking about. <clears throat> but we uh, had dreams and we had plans and off we went. And we worked in the area of discipleship for about four years in Cali, Colombia. Uh, studied the book of Matthew together. Uh, looking for things that Jesus did with his disciples. Uh, because we saw that Jesus was very successful with making disciples. So why wouldn't we try to follow those same principles? And we discovered several uh, key principles that Jesus did with his disciples, and we thought, yeah, let's, let's see if we can imitate those. And so we started a, a program that we called Mihuko Youth Mission Colombia. We invited young people to our home, and we basically said, come and we will try to teach you how to be followers of Jesus and how to live as Jesus did, uh, and to do what Jesus did. And so we began to study uh, what Jesus did, and we discovered some key principles. Uh, that Jesus, first of all, uh, loved his Father. He had this intimate relationship with his Father. And so we tried to communicate that to our students and said, you know, if you're going to have any kind of hope of being effective in this world, in, in reaching out to people, we've got to have this intimate relationship with the Father. And we saw that Jesus also um, served in community uh, to the community. So he was with his disciples and he would take them out and he would go and find people or people would find him and he would minister to their needs, whether it was emotional or physical uh, and, and spent uh, a lot of his time actually out on the streets, out on the mountainsides, in the valleys, Uh, teaching and uh, healing and and meeting people's needs. But he was doing it with the disciples. So in community, serving the community, out in the community. And uh, we we decided that we've got to follow that. And so we took our disciples with us to rehab centers, to orphanages, to street ministry, to parks. uh, And and we just uh, found people that we we could love. That was another thing that that we really noticed, that Jesus just loved people, and he's asked us to do the same. Go out and love people. 
So we, we spent uh, a good portion of our time uh, teaching these people how to do that uh, in this program called Mihuko. Just a couple weeks before we began that program, after getting all the things in place and permissions and, and starting a new program that people in Colombia hadn't really understood, um, I was nervous that, oh, after doing all this, maybe we're, we weren't going to get anybody to join our program. And I would look really stupid. And I was concerned about that. Bad reason, but I was concerned. And Joan and I went down to uh, get the mail one day, stopped at a grocery store <clears throat> on the way back. And uh, Joan went in to get groceries, and I stayed in the car reading a letter. For those of you from younger generations, a letter is a piece of paper where you write on it, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, send it away. Three weeks later, it gets to Colombia. We read it, write a letter, put a stamp on it, put it in the envelope, send it back. And so every six weeks, you have a text. <laughs> uh, and that was this letter I was reading. And God said to me very clearly, get out of your car and sit in that park bench. And I knew it was God. And so I got out of the car and I sat in the park bench. I no longer sat down and I see this guy in front of the store looking at me, came walking towards me, tried to sell me a vacation plan. I said, I'm not interested. Uh, we began to talk. I discovered he was a new believer. And I said to him, we're starting a program in two weeks for new believers to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus and to be a disciple. And, and would you be interested? And he said, yes. And so in two weeks, this guy quit his job, got support from his church, and was one of three guys that joined our first training program. And his name was Aner Zulawaga. Uh, that's where we met at this park bench. And... Uh, we continued to, to work with him and many others. Uh, Hirlesa joined uh, in a couple other programs. Aner continued to live at our house. They ended up getting married and going off to Panama as missionaries. Um, we came back to uh, Canada for just a, a four-year stint at Bethany, and then God sent us out again to uh, Mexico. And uh, we had a, a little more defined vision and mission to uh, make disciples that would go out to the nations. And so um, having studied this book of Matthew and seeing all these principles, we decided this is, this is what we need to call the Matthew Training Center. And we did. <clears throat> and um, I just want to say to you as a church, Forest Grove, you not only 33 years ago sent us out, but you walked with us. You prayed with us, you supported us, you came and visited us on many occasions. And I know that we would not be here talking about uh, this ministry or the, the fruit that God has given to us without your support. And so we want to just say thank you and bless you. Um, so many people uh, have been reproduced. Um, that was one point I forgot to mention that uh, we often forget, and I forgot, to tell you about it. <laughs> but it's, Jesus said, make disciples. So it's one thing to love people and to serve people and to help people, but we also have to make disciples intentionally, invest in people, choose people, 
and make disciples, reproduce ourselves. And we saw that happening in people like Paula, who today is a missionary in northern Spain with her husband. Um, uh, Victor is a missionary from Colombia in the Ukraine. He's been out there for 20 years in Eastern uh, Europe and different countries. Um, Tomas and Melody are with us. They're going to be sharing. Uh, Tomas was in a program in 1998 with us. Uh, another guy in that same program, David, with his wife, are missionaries today in northern Mexico with MCC, helping uh, refugees. Uh, and uh, this year we had a couple uh, come, uh, Brian and Carolina, and they are hoping and planning to be missionaries to Turkey with Hakan. Uh, they're seeing that Hakan is making uh, a lot of fruit, and today he's baptizing more people. He was here recently sharing and uh, so Brian and Carolina from Colombia want to go and, and work with them, help make disciples of this fruit. And so we just thank you for all the uh, partnership that uh, you have done to help us uh, do these things. And there's many more, and we bless you for it. That's great. Those are already just some fabulous stories of discipleship and some of your journey. Thank you, Trevor. Joan, would you want to add anything to the backstory part that you would add from what Trevor said of where you ended up? or? I think it's good. It's good. Okay, so today we're talking about discipleship. Uh, we're going to be doing a series for the next uh, month again, focusing specifically on this because it's so absolutely central and core uh, to who we're called to be uh, as followers of Jesus. And so I, I already warned them. I said, you know, with kids in the service, my question for you is, how, how would you explain discipleship in its simplest form? And if you're explaining it to an eight-year-old, how would you define discipleship? That's a good question. And it... I, I had to think about that to explain it in a simple form or the simplest form. And I, I think that, uh, first of all, I think of the need that each one of us has, and that's the need to belong, to belong to a family, to belong to uh, something that's worthwhile for our lives. And so I would, um, or I think of discipleship as kind of like the game Follow the Leader, and except that it's not a game that you, you play for a short period of time and then you tire of it and you, and you go on to other things. But it's kind of like the game of, for, the, for all of life where we follow the leader and our leader is God the Father. He, he's, he's very excited about drawing us into family with him and he wants us to look like him. And so he gave us this awesome example in Jesus. He sent Jesus to us to, to sort of model that leadership. And um, so we get to, for the rest of our lives, follow his leadership and become like him, start looking like Jesus. And so I think it, that begs the question, so who is Jesus and what does he look like? And that's a discovery that we have for the rest of our lives. So um, just one, one thing that I think, and Trevor mentioned it already, Jesus is love. So uh, a story about that um, from this year is Trevor mentioned also Brian and Carolina, who came to us from Colombia, uh, South America, to train and prepare for missions in Turkey. And they came with their 12-year-old son, Santi. And uh, Santi was, uh, he was homeschooled, or he was homeschooling while he was also trying to participate in the program that, that we have. 
so I think a couple weeks into uh, the start of our program last January, I, was, I led a silent <coughs> retreat for all of our students. And Santi's mom, Carolina, wanted to uh, participate in the silent retreat. So she asked if I would take Santi through the day. Um, and she was pretty sure that he wouldn't be able to be silent for the whole day. So I said, sure, he can, we'll do it together. We had different stations with different themes. And so with Santi, I went through the day. And the first station we went to was listening to God. And before we got into the room uh, where I had different things set up that would help um, to understand what it means to listen to God, uh, I asked Santi, have you ever heard God speak to you? And he said, no, I've never heard God speak to me. And I said, well, maybe God's going to speak to you in in the next hour or so. And so we went into the room, prayed together, uh, had some time of reading God's word, and then just sat in silence. And I, I would kind of look over at him and wonder, you know, if, if God was actually speaking to him or not. But he was really quiet and um, sat in prayer for quite a long time, in silence for quite a long time. And when we finished our time there, we came out uh, left the room, went into the patio, and I asked him, so did God speak to you? And he said, with tears in his eyes, he did. He spoke to me. And I asked him, what did he say? And he said, you're my son, I love you, and I'm your father. Now that's very significant, because Santi, uh, his birth father, abandoned him, and, and Carolina, his mom, before he was born. So he's 12 years old. He's wrestling with this identity of belonging and, and wondering why he was abandoned by his birth father. He has a wonderful father now in, in Brian, but uh, that's, a, that's a wrestle that he's, he's been through. So it was beautiful just to, to know that God spoke those very words that a 12-year-old needed to hear. Then we, our, the second station we went to was on examining yourself. Examining in order to see whether you really um, are a follower of Jesus, you know, to understand what discipleship actually means. Um, starting that, that role and that um, lifestyle of following Jesus. And again, he came out of his time. It was, we had paints there and opportunity to to be creative and he came out of his time holding a a painting and I asked him again what did God say to you or what what was your experience in this in this place in that space and he said with a huge smile on his face I'm now a follower of Jesus I said Jesus I want you to be my my leader and he had a painting of, of a large father eagle and a child eagle resting on his back. They were soaring in, in the sky. And he was obviously the child eagle, and he's fall on his father's back. Um, he, he was an amazing young man. He turned 13 while he was with us. And 
He himself, nobody prompted him to this. He volunteered to be on dish crew every single day uh, of the six months they were with us. Uh, his parents also understood what discipleship was, following God as a leader, and they made it their role and responsibility, and we encouraged them greatly in that to, to disciple Santi um, for, for the time that he will be with them and, and beyond. And so they've begun that, that role as parents, too, in Santi's life. That is so powerful. Not only have you described discipleship in a really powerful way, and I love that image of just sort of like follow the leader, of just following and becoming like him, <laughs> and how uh, even a child uh, can, can see that and yes. hear from God and follow him in such powerful ways. God speaks to us in so many different ways, and uh, you ex- explained a few of those ways that God uh, speaks to us and has spoken to people that you've interacted with. And one of the things as a church that we're asking God to speak to us about is even our global partnerships. And as you know, we're discerning uh, our partnership in Panama is changing. You've heard some of that, we're continuing that partnership, but it's changing in terms of the nature of it. We're also discerning what would this partnership in Guadalajara look like now with the transition that Trevor and Joan are, are going through and, and Tomas and Melody coming in and so on. And then also our partnership in Turkey. And... Uh, one of the things that's been so encouraging is how God seems to be speaking and weaving things together. And even with these three partnerships, and you, uh, you mentioned uh, that about the, the Turkey connection and also within the Matthew Training Center. And it was in April when we had our team, as, as some of you are part of it, some of you, you, you know this team that we had in Turkey at that time. And at the very same time, Lisa and I were in, in Guadalajara uh, with you folks. And it was so encouraging because Lisa and I got to sit with with uh, Brian and Carolina and the two of you and the six of us just praying and discerning together about Turkey mm-hmm. in Guadalajara while our team was over there and just the connections there. And it was mm-hmm. so encouraging to see how God is speaking and connecting the dots in so many ways. Talk a little bit about discipleship in Latin America. I've, I've seen <laughs> firsthand some of what's going on there and what you're doing, but why is discipleship in this training center in Guadalajara and in Latin America so important? What's the significance of that at this time of of life. Um, maybe to uh, get to that answer, it's a good question and it requires a good answer. Uh, if uh, I could ask uh, the kids a question, and maybe the parents can help with some of the answers here if uh, they tell you, but uh, we're, we're trying to understand why we would have a discipleship center. So another question is here in Canada, why do we have hospitals? Can you, kids, can you give an answer? Why would we have hospitals? This is not a trick question. <laughs> to heal people. There we go. People who get sick, to help make them better, okay? Next question. Why do we have, I'm assuming we have still soccer camps or soccer schools? Help me out. Okay, I'm not hearing everything. If the parent wants to say it. Yeah, help them to play soccer better. That's an answer. If we're going to have soccer camps, it's because we want to train people to be soccer players, right? So, next question. Why do we have discipleship schools? 
Yeah. <laughs> to be disciples. This is not rocket science. Uh, Jesus told us very clearly two words, make disciples. And he's invited us to do that. He's challenging us to do that. And so that's, that's the command that we have, to go and make disciples. Uh, unfortunately, in Latin America, a lot of the schools and the programs there, uh, they focus on this thing of theological training. It's just basically trying to move information from the teacher brain to the student brain. And what we're trying to do in discipleship making is help people understand how to live like Jesus, how to be like Jesus. So it's more about character formation and lifestyle and, and just living like Jesus, learning to love like Jesus and uh, obviously to go and make disciples the way Jesus did. So uh, a lot of Latinos are wanting to follow Jesus and they're wanting to also go out and be missionaries. And so we're putting those two together at our school. That's really good. Tell us a little bit about maybe one story or a thought about you have opportunity to see God's greatness, God's kingdom, God's glory at work in different ways. What's a story or an image that comes to mind when you think of the glory of God and the greatness of God that has impacted and transformed you? Um, when I was a young child, I, I wanted to go into missions, and I didn't know that much about it, but um, I heard different stories about from missionaries and so on, and I think that it was like this desire in me, but later came to understand it as actually God's dream for me, I think, his desire for me. And my parents obviously nurtured that. God himself nurtured that. Uh, and in the midst of that, like when I would dream about going to other cultures, faraway places and stuff like that, I had this idea that um, I would go and it would be exciting and all of that. And it certainly has been. It's been 30-whatever years of, of lots of adventure. But um, I, the only thing I really thought of at the time was I, I just wanted to be with Jesus. Wherever he wanted me to go, that's where I wanted to, to go. And uh, as time came to actually, when Trevor and I were praying through it and we were planning to go, uh, I kind of had this stress, you know, come up on me going like, okay, I'm going, but what am I going to do? What am I actually going to do? And um, I felt like God at that time said, you're going to just come alongside people, just come alongside people. Be like the, the, the person that comes alongside them and um, points them in the direction of Jesus and in that, that lifestyle of following Jesus. And that doesn't seem like it's really a, like it's not a, a to-do list, you know. But um, the exciting thing for me has been I've seen just the awesome greatness of God in, um, in that every day just saying, God, what is it that you have for me to do and who do you want me to be today? Um, how that has transformed into opportunities, constant opportunities uh, with different people. And one of the, the verses that um, God gave to us long, long ago, or a few verses from Psalm 145, 3 through 7, says, Lord, 
You are great and worthy of the highest praise, for there is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. Generation after generation will declare more of your glory and more of your greatness and declare more of your glory. Your magnificent splendor and the miracles of your majesty are my constant meditation. Your awe-inspiring acts of power have everyone talking. I'm telling people everywhere about your excellent greatness. And I think sometimes we um, complicate the idea of missions, uh, saying that we have to be equipped a certain way. We certainly are. God takes care of equipping us and giving us the capacity and the talent and gifting and so on to go and do what he, he desires for us to do. But I think he is so much more interested in who we are and being, being available to just constantly say um, or, or be in the mentality that um, whatever he, he calls us to do that day, um, we're attentive to it. And whatever he calls us to be, we're attentive to, attentive to it. Now, that is not any reflection on our goodness or greatness. That's a reflection on God's goodness and greatness. Um, so we had the opportunity to raise kids, saw God's greatness over and over again, not only with our own children in a violent country like Colombia um, and then in Mexico later on, um, but had the opportunity to spiritually parent a lot of, we have had that opportunity, to spiritually parent a lot of other people's children as well, or young adults as well. And in all of that, we're always seeing God work in such an amazing and great way. So two years ago, we kind of felt like, whoa, things just came to this abrupt halt because I was given a diagnosis with cancer of cancer and went through treatment went through chemo and, and radiation and surgeries and, and all of that. And then a year ago in, in June, I arrived back. We did that in Canada, in British Columbia. I arrived back at the Matthew Training Center with, again, this sense of stress, like, God, what am I going to do now? My capacity for carrying on what I was doing before has changed a little. Even my perspective of life has changed some. And again, God just said, you need to be available to come alongside people and just point them to my greatness and my glory. Again, Psalm 145. Make it known from one generation to another generation. Come alongside them. Encourage them in um, in their walk with with me. And I will look after what they should do and even what I should do. Um, so that's been, to me, that's been a, it's more than maybe one or two little stories. It's been a lifetime of stories, yeah. And while we could stay here till long after one o'clock, and you'd miss your writer's game if we started talking about all those stories. That's really powerful. Thank you, John. Trevor, last question for you, uh, maybe, is just uh, to introduce uh, Tomas and Melody a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, the discipleship journey that how your um, God's call on your life has, has been a part of their discipleship journey and just your connection with them. 
and just some of the transitions that you're in with the Matthew Training Center. And uh, so just talk a little bit uh, about that. And, uh, and then we're going to have them come up and just share a couple of things as well, too. And I would say as well, um, invite you, we're going to be in the lounge afterwards, and Tomas and Melody are going to spend some more time sharing, but we want you to just meet them. But before they come up, why don't you just introduce them and a little bit of the discipleship <coughs> that you've connected with, uh, with them on. Yeah, uh, a few years ago, our board members started telling us that uh, we need to start thinking of succession. And I'm going, no, don't want to do that. Uh, I'm going to keep doing this forever and ever. Uh, But they were wise and they uh, prodded us gently and said, there will be a time when you guys will no longer be here. And so we began to pray for new people to come and work with us and and, uh, become directors. And uh, uh, back in 1998, Tomas was in a program with us in Bogota. Uh, We saw the potential in him, uh, a gifted leader, a gifted teacher. Uh, When we finished our training program, uh, three years later, we left Bogota, came back here. Tomas uh, with uh, Paula that I had mentioned is now a missionary in Spain. They began to lead the program and to carry it on. And then Tomas was asked to be a pastor. Uh, Then he went through some valleys, uh, some deep valleys. And uh, might be an opportunity to talk about that in the lounge. But uh, just two years, two and a half years ago, we were back in Colombia. We were invited over to Tomas' house to meet Melody and uh, and hear his story again of how God has redeemed him and... and, uh, and, and oh, it was such a beautiful time of sharing together and praying together and hearing his passion. And he's pastoring a church in Bogota, Colombia for the last four years. And so uh, we just, uh, about six months later, sensed that God was saying, Hey, Tomas and Melody, invite them to the Matthew Training Center as future directors, potential. So um, we prayed into that and really sensed that God was uh, leading us. And so we invited them. And they uh, took some time to pray, and and it's a whole story behind that. But God really showed them clearly. And uh, so they uh, are going to be in training for the next four months here in Abbotsford. And they will be joining us in January. And we're just thrilled uh, to pieces to know that uh, we got some people that are quality and gifted coming to work with us. Trevor and Joe, why don't you stay where, you can stay where you are, you can stay seated. Uh, Tomas and Melody, why don't you come up and join me here, and I want to just give you an opportunity to say hello, and I, I just asked them if they would just share even one thing uh, that they would want to share with the congregation, whether it's from their story or what you're looking forward to, and then, uh, as I said, we'll have more time to, to interact with you in the lounge, but uh, welcome here, uh, introduce yourselves again, and then share a little bit with us. Hey, my name is Tomas, I'm from Colombia. And I always said uh, I love English, but English doesn't love me in the same way. <laughs> so the Holy Spirit makes understand some of it. Um, I really love discipleship making, uh, and this is my kid, <laughs> wife, and my partner in ministry, in life. And we met. Uh, I met Trevor, 21 years old ago a long time <laughs> and they teach me that passion uh, share life share the table share the love and share Jesus with me in a deep way 
and that's why I'm following him. He's my passion, and because he is my passion, my passion is to make disciples as he did. Hi, I'm Melody. Um, so over the past few years, I've also been invited into this style of discipleship, learning, observing. Um, God's brought young adults over to our house during the week, a lot of them, and we would share a meal with them, talk with them, listen to them, see how they're doing, study scripture together, pray, ask hard questions, and God would usually bring up things in their character, their life that needed to be confronted and dealt with and how to walk with them through those things. And I've also been able to participate the last couple of years in Mihuko. And this year, uh, participating, God was working in my character on being honest and not being a people pleaser. And so I began to voice my thoughts, some of which were prideful and hurtful. And so I had to go and ask forgiveness. And then I'd say something else that was wrong and go again and ask forgiveness. And after the third time, I was already like tired of it and wanted to go back to hiding my sinful thoughts and hiding, right? But that's also part of discipleship. I'm learning to be vulnerable, to be transparent and model, um, model repentance because we live the gospel every day. That is so powerful. Um, thank you for sharing some of your story, and we look forward to hearing more from you in the lounge afterwards. Uh, why don't we stand together? I want to pray. I'd invite the worship team if they'd come up at this time. Uh, they're going to continue to lead us in worship. But I want to just uh, pray for these two dear couples. And uh, if you would uh, join me in that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much that uh, you are a King of kings and a Lord of lords. And Lord Jesus, that you are so worth following. And our desire is to become more like you. And I thank you for these uh, couples who have given their lives to be disciples of Christ and to disciple others. And I thank you for the life-on-life discipleship that they have lived and uh, that they will continue to live. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would bless them as they encourage and bless us. And we just thank you for this time this morning. We want to give you all the glory and praise and honor for what you have done. Uh, for what you are doing and what you are going to do. And we look forward to that, Lord. And so we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen.